Chapter 68 of The Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter 68. The blue dawn of morning was glinting among the rocks when I awoke. On the crest of the cliff was a streak of amber-colored light that betokened the rising of the sun and warned me that it was time to be stirring i had no toilet to make no breakfast to eat nothing to do but mount my horse and move onward i continued up the lateral ravine since there was no path leading out from it and to return to the hirfano would have been to ride back into the teeth of danger i still felt faint though less than twenty-four hours since i had eaten i hungered acutely was there nothing i could eat i looked inquiringly around it was a scene of sterility and starvation not a symptom of life scarcely a sign of vegetation rocks bare and forbidding formed two parallel facades grinning at each other across the gorge their rugged features but little relieved by the mottling of dark junipers that clung from their clefts there appeared neither root nor fruit that might be eaten only a chameleon could maintain existence in such a spot i had scarcely made this reflection when as if to contradict it the form of a noble animal became outlined before my eyes its color size and proportions were those of a stag of the red deer species but its spiral horns proclaimed it of a different genus these enabled me to identify it as the rare mountain ram the magnificent amon of the northern andes it was standing upon the salient point of the cliff its form boldly projected against the purple sky in an attitude fixed and statuesque one might have fancied it placed there for embellishment a characteristic feature of that wild landscape the scene would have been incomplete without it from my point of observation it was five hundred yards distant it would have been equally safe at five since i had no means of destroying it i might have easily crept within shot range since a grove of cottonwoods just commencing where i had halted extended up the bottom of the ravine under these i could have stalked to the base of the cliff on which the animal stood a sort of angular promontory projecting into the gorge this advantage only rendered the sight more tantalizing my gun was empty and i had no means of reloading it was it certain the piece was empty why should the indians have believed it to be loaded up to this moment i had not thought of examining it i drew the ramrod and inverted it into the barrel the head struck upon a soft substance the screw stood four fingers above the muzzle the gun was charged there was no cap upon the nipple there had been none this accounted for the piece having missed fire in all likelihood i owed my life to the circumstances of the savage being ignorant of the percussion principle i was now indebted to another circumstance for a supply of cats the locker near the heel of the stock had escaped the attention of the indians its brass cover had passed for a thing of ornament on springing it open the little caps of the corrugated copper gleamed before my eyes an abundance of them i tapped the powder into the nipple adjusted a cap and dismounting set forth upon the stock the spreading tops of the cottonwoods concealed me and crouching under them i made my approaches as rapidly as the nature of the ground would permit it grew damper as i advanced and presently i passed pools of water and patches of smooth mud where water had recently lain 
it was the bed of an intermittent stream a hydrographic phenomenon of frequent occurrence in the central regions of north america the presence of water accounted for that of the cottonwood trees a sure indication of moisture in the soil the water was a welcome sight i was suffering from thirst even more than from hunger and notwithstanding the risk of losing my chance of a shot i determined to stop and drink i was creeping forward to the edge of one of the ponds when a sight came under my eyes that astonished me and to such a degree as to drive both thirst and hunger out of my thoughts at least for the moment and the margin of sandy mud extending along the edge of the water appeared a line of tracks the tracks of human feet on crawling nearer i perceived that they were moccasin tracks but of such tiny dimensions as to leave no doubt as to the sex of the individual who had made them clearly they were the imprints of a woman's feet a woman must have passed that way an indian woman of course this was my first reflection and almost simultaneous with it arose another half interrogative conjecture was it suwanee no the foot was too small for that of the forest maiden i had a remembrance of the dimensions of hers the tracks before my eyes were not over eight inches in length and could only have been made by a foot slender and of elegant shape the imprint was perfect and its clear outline denoted the light elastic tread of youth it was a young woman who had made those footmarks at first i saw no reason to doubt that the tracks were those of some indian girl their size would not have contradicted the supposition among the aboriginal bells of america a little foot is the rule a large one the exception i had tracked many a pair much smaller than those but never had i seen the footprints of an indian with the toes turned out and such was the peculiarity of those now before me this observation which i did not make till after some time had elapsed filled me with astonishment and something more it was suggestive of many and varied emotions the girl or woman who had made these tracks could never have been strapped to an indian cradle she must be white End of chapter 68 Recording by Lowe